All right, Kelly Robinson, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good Father's Day weekend. If that's an appropriate greeting, happy Father's Day, a day early. And if it's not the appropriate greeting, find somebody for whom it is and say, hey, happy Father's Day. And uh, that's a good thing. I had a wonderful dad. I had two dads. I had one who I don't know anything about because I'm adopted. And I have one who was spectacular. I was just telling my wife and our grandson, I almost dropped something, uh, telling my wife and our grandson as we headed to the radio station this morning that I never saw my dad angry in all of my life. And I said, Lynn, did you ever? Because she knew him for, hmm, let me think, I guess eight or ten years before he died. And she said, no, never saw him angry. Just a gentle, kind man. And uh, that's the way we all need to be. I I don't think anybody will ever accuse me of that. (laughs) I wish. I try. I try my best to be like my dad. And uh, so we all can have our goals and and try to get there. Anyway, I hope you're having a good weekend. It uh, certainly has turned warm across much of Texas. And uh, our hearts go to the folks in Perryton. How in all of that open territory of the northern panhandle, how could it find Perryton? How could that tornado find that small town? So God bless you. Our hearts go to you. Um, We're here to talk about gardening. You know, one thing I noticed in all of that destruction, they had a lot of landscaping. They had a lot of trees, some of which were devastated and some of which survived. But even in that, uh, in that very difficult climate of the northern panhandle, where it gets very cold and very windy and very bitter and sometimes very, very dry, they care about plants. And I know the people in Amarillo, which is, what did I hear, two and a half hours away to the southwest, uh, even there, they, uh, they really care about the landscaping. So if they can care about it, you and I can too. Let's talk about gardening. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones. And that phone number to call right now. We have lines open for you at 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. And live and welcoming your calls right now all across Texas from Corpus Christi to Amarillo, and from Alpine to Crockett. How much of the state does that include? About 90%. Oh, my goodness. And it's a wonderful state to talk about. So give us a call, won't you, please? Also noticed how green things were when I was looking at the tornado uh, damage. They've had a lot of rain in the panhandle, and, uh, and that's good until the rain comes associated with storms. 888-256-1080. Let's talk about plants. Let's talk about gardening. I do urban horticulture. I don't get into pasture things so much. I don't get into, uh, into, uh, farm crops. I don't do sheep and goats and chickens and things. I, I do landscapes, lawns, house plants, fruit and vegetables around the house, things of that sort. And if I don't know an answer, I'll sure try my best to find it for you. And, uh, and I tell you that. I'm honest with you. I found a long time ago, I started doing this uh, with the Extension Service in 1970 and then commercially in 1978. And I found early on it's a lot easier, a lot better, a lot more credible to say, I don't know. I don't think I have that answer than it is to uh, try to come up with something off the cuff and prove that you have no answer <clears throat> and, and uh, kind of wonder if people are saying, I don't think he has a clue. (laughs) 
<laughs> so anyway, we have a call in from, from Rockport just to show you how, how diverse the calls are. And we'll go to that in just a moment. So I'll uh, be talking about squash planting along the coast. Rockport's a wonderful town and uh, home to a lot of diverse plants and a lot of diverse uh, wildlife. So uh, anyway, the uh, and now Corpus Christi is South Texas chimes in. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. 888-256-1080. I better quit talking and get to work. So that's fun. I love it when the lines fill up. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and it might be the only gardening reference book that you will need to have. Chapter 2 is a really helpful chapter for you because it is a calendar. I've never put this in a book before, and it's not a calendar like you're used to seeing. You think of the calendars inside the bookstores when you go in, and and uh, they have the grids, and you write your appointments on them. Used to. Most people now write them on their phones. But, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That's not what this is at all. It's a calendar uh, divided into 48 pages with four pages per month that tell you for each month what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized and sprayed in that month so no longer will you have to say neil when should i do this or that it's all right there in the calendar in chapter two chapter one is the basics of gardening in texas things that you need to know about climate about soils about uh, average date of the first and last killing freezes for every part of the state all of that Chapters 3 through 11 cover trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Didn't quite make it in one breath. There's a lot of information that I have accumulated over uh, a lifetime of working with gardeners in Texas. I uh, have always been an avid gardener. That was my hobby. Uh, two college degrees in horticulture, and then worked for the Extension Service for seven years before starting this in 1978. So that's that's where all this came from, and I put it all into this one book. It took me a year to write the book. Your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. You have 344 pages of hardback on high-quality paper and 840 of my best photographs in this book, and it's only thirty-six ninety-five. I have left the spring special up for an undetermined and very limited time just because I want to give you the, the benefit of a, a good low price on the book. Satisfaction guaranteed or a full refund, 69,000 copies sold to date and not one request for a refund. I'll sign your copy as it sells and get it right in the mail to you. I'll be signing tonight. I signed some last night. And I'll be signing tomorrow night as well. We'll get them in the mail early next week within a couple of days. So, here are the ways you can order. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. You have to order it from my office one way or the other. Either by calling the office Monday through Friday, we will be open Monday, and that is 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W, 800-752-4769. The better way, though, because it's always open, is to order from my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression, jobs were scarce, but hopes remained high. And it was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. This is a Hall of Fame company. It's a Texas-based company. More than 90 years ago, they began making metal products, outstanding metal products, 
products that uh, were made to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we're accustomed to in Texas. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rains, hail, snowstorms for years to come. That's what Texas gets, and that's much longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, you're going to choose a metal roof for your home that's made by Mueller or a Mueller metal building. Visit MuellerInc.com. It's spelled M-U-E-L-L-E-R. MuellerInc.com. Learn more. Find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's the number 2. 877-2-683553. Or you can stop by one of their 33 locations. They are Mueller. They are made in America and they're made to last. Mueller. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Kelly Robinson, my friend, their lines are filled. Thank you for that very much. Let's get right to business. Scott in Rockport, this is Neil. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Everything I'm, good in Sandown or, or wherever you're at? I am I am working at my office. You bet it is. Just great. Good, how, good. How can I help you? We, we have a problem. We have a small garden, and in the Rockport area, a lot of the soil is just basically like a beach sand, so the the uh, soil is terrible. We actually have added amendments to it, got it looking very good. Uh, it raises tomatoes and stuff very good, but our squash will never set fruit and stay. They'll 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 start drying up or either turn brown and fall off. To to alleviate the problem, my wife got an earth box and just put completely great soil in there. And the same plants, uh, crookneck, yellow crookneck, and, and zucchini, and they still do not set the fruit and stay. It'll actually set the fruit, but not stay on there. All and right. Let me, let me try to help you, it, Scott. It's a common question, and let me try yeah. to help you. Um Number one, and, and I think the answer is going to be yes, but I, I need to ask it because it's a process. Uh, right. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm even going to ask you uh, a question before the first question. Uh, do you know the difference between male and female squash flowers? Most people do not initially. Y- yes, yes. All right, is then a- let, me, let me talk over your shoulder to the people who don't know. Male squash flowers uh, on the stem that holds the flower to the to the plant just have straight stems. With the female flowers, you will see a swelling that becomes the fruit. The uh, plants, when they're young and just starting to bloom, will have for about two weeks, they will have all male flowers. And so when a plant is young, uh, uh, they will produce a lot of male flowers, and, and those flowers will abort after they're through. They just drop off, and people are saying the same thing you did, although they don't say they set fruit. They just they just say they, they dropped off and didn't get any fruit. Uh, what they those folks have to do is be patient because then the female flowers start to come out. It's nature's way of making sure there's pollen when the time comes. So then we go to step uh, the next step, and that's where I ask my first question. Did you see a lot of bees working the flowers when you had the female flowers present? 
not a lot of bees. We do have uh, some hummingbird feeders that are still out, and the bees go to those feeders, and we actually moved a feeder into the area of the garden to attract more bees Right, but they the went block. to the humming. Yeah, but they went to the hummingbird feeder. Scott, the uh, the problem is you're not getting uh, uh, the the squash flowers pollinated. Uh, it is a very very common problem, and and what you need to do is in the mornings, um, is is clip off. I wouldn't break them off. You could you probably carefully break them off. The male flowers, a male flower or two, and then it, it works better if you have some very sharp small scissors. And then trim the, the, the petals of the male flowers off so that you expose the pollen. You'll see all that pollen. There's a ton of pollen on them. And just daub, daub that pollen onto the female flowers. You do the pollinating yourself, and, and it will work like a champ. You'll have great fruit set. Do not try to get fruit on every one of the, of the squash flowers. You'll overtax the plants, and uh, it, it, it's not necessary. The same thing can be done for cucumbers and for watermelons and, and cantaloupe, the other cucurbits. They all have male and female flowers, and you have to do the same thing. Perfect. Well, we will definitely try it. Thank you it very makes, much, Neil. It makes a huge difference, and it's 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 99% of the time it's a lack of, of bee activity at the critical time. Hey, I appreciate and, your call. Y'all go ahead. Uh, but... The fruit actually starts growing and will, then dies, so that yeah, could it, still be it, a pollination problem. Absolutely. It will go for two or three days, and then it will shrivel and, and abort. Now, if the fruit uh, goes two or three or four days and then is mushy, then that would be a fruit rot. That would be a fungal fruit rot, and that's a different story. But but that's the 1% of the time. Most of the time, I guess along the coast, you have so much humidity. I guess that's a, a possibility. But but it's almost always lack of pollination. Perfect. Is there, for the for the other one, the fruit rot, what, what is a, uh, my wife just asked me to ask you. I would, uh, I, I would just get into a good garden center or hardware store and any of the garden fungicides labeled for use on vegetable crops will cover it. It will not be a problem. It'll save Perfect. the fungal fruit rots, yeah. Well, hopefully you solved our problem. Thank I you. I think I did, one way or the other. Thanks for the call. Take care. All right, let's go to Tommy in Corpus Christi. Tommy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. I've got a problem with a rosebush. It never blooms. It's about four years old. Your poor thing just sits there. And does nothing. All right. Uh, it is a bush, not a climber. Correct? Do what? It's a bush rose, not a climbing rose? Uh, no, it, uh, it kind of bushes up about three feet tall, uh, and that's about it. Right, but I'm asking, it's not a climbing type of rose. Is that correct? I'm not really sure what it is, but... Uh, the reason, the reason I ask, some of the climbing roses only bloom one time in the spring, and a lot of people, uh, when they prune them, will prune them in the wintertime, and that cuts all the flower buds off. That's why this I is ask it. This one, Neil, never blooms. That, you didn't, you, you missed my point. A lot of people who have climbing roses, you know, that they put over the top of, a, of an arbor or over a patio right. or on a fence, right. 
they will they will prune them in the winter because they hear that you're supposed to prune roses in February or in your case in January in Corpus Christi. They'll prune them in, in at that time and that's the wrong time to prune that kind of rose. I'm not going to spend much more time on that topic, that part of it. I'll I'll go another direction. But you need to make sure you are not pruning the buds off, the flower buds. They they, they won't look like buds yet. But no. uh, the the types no, I- that only the types that only bloom in the spring must not be pruned in the winter. That's what you have to determine. You also need to make sure that you have a rose that hasn't died back to its rootstock because those are going to be spring-only bloomers. Lady Banksia rose, for example, the, the really pretty old historic rose, the yellow rose that people use on fences. That's a spring-only bloomer, and if you prune that in the winter, like you hear people talk about, now's the time to prune your roses, bush roses. If you prune Lady Banksia in January or early February, you'll never have a bloom. You'll cut all the all the, the flower buds off before they ever really develop. Okay, so that's that one. Now, the other possibility is a disease called rose rosette virus. And I have that on my website at neilsperry.com. If you have a plant that is infested with rose rosette virus, it will stall out and quit growing and, and gradually die. And it takes three or four years for the plant to die completely, but it will get worse and worse looking. I don't know if that's what you have or not, but you can see photos on my website, uh, on my homepage, at, uh, and then it links to another page where there are more photos. Um, so that... That might be of help to you also. It's at Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. But, Tommy, it's all going to start back with what kind of rose do you have. You have to know that first. Okay, well, this this rose bush it looks healthy. Uh, never prune it, uh, and it just will not bloom. So I How don't much? know if a good fertilizer or what will help it. How much sunlight does it get? Three-fourths of a day. All right. That may that may be enough. It may not be enough. That's kind of borderline. Um, does it have a lot of thorns? Um, yeah, Com- about... Uh, compared to other uh, roses? No, about the same. All right. Um, I, I don't know without seeing it. I would suggest you take a sample, uh, a photo into a, a really good independent retail garden center, um, not a not a home center, but a place that sells roses and and pl- sells plants year round, and ask them to help you by looking at the at the plant. Uh, you don't have to take the whole plant in, but maybe take uh, I, it's better to take photos than to take any part of the plant in if it happens to have rose rosette they don't want it they don't want it okay, in, their, good. in their shop but uh, I would I would talk to them and see if they can figure out what might be going on by looking at photographs that would be the best bet you're welcome Very good. To, you're that, welcome Neil. you're welcome to post photos on my electronic newsletter eGardens that you'll hear me talk about in a minute because that's the way you can show me what it looks like. That's the best I can do without seeing it. Tommy, I appreciate your call very much. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Don't beat around the bush when it comes time to fertilize your trees and shrubs. They need at least two feedings a year, once in the fall, once in spring or early summer. 
And so this, that makes uh, this the time to apply Ferdlome tree and shrub food. I am so proud to have Ferdlome as a sponsor of this program. Ferdlome tree and shrub food contains 19-8-10 fertilizer analysis with five micronutrients. It's a unique formulation that creates a penetrating action that does the rest of the work for you by moving the nutrients down from the drip line into the feeder roots. means that there's no need for digging holes, and that's good news. The tree and shrub food is formulated for all types of trees and shrubs, including shade trees, fruit trees, nut trees, evergreens, even for folks in the valley and along the coast, citrus, and even tropical trees. One of the greatest things about the makers of Fertilome is that they are totally dedicated to supporting local, independent retailers. All of their products, including tree and shrub food, can only be found in independently owned garden centers. To find your closest dealer, go to Fertilome.com and click Find a Dealer. Packaged in the green bag, it's Fertilome tree and shrub food. It gets your trees and shrubs going great. And it's a great product. I love those Fertilome products. They're made right here in Texas, and they are sold by the finest independent retail garden centers, hardware stores, and feed stores. Fertilome, Fertilome Tree and Shrub Food. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. You know, simultaneous with the Periton uh, tornado, we were watching the Weather Channel, and there was a, an outbreak of tornadoes in Ohio. Uh, up near Lake Erie, and when Lynn and I were first married, we lived in northern Ohio for two years and taught in two different schools. I taught in Shelby, and she taught in a little town called Shiloh, and we lived in Plymouth, which is right on the county line between Richland County and uh, and uh, Huron County, I guess it is, and uh, right on county line, Baseline Road, which is the county line, and they they were doing the tracking of that tornado also, and it was coming right down the roads that we used to drive. And it was just nobody that we knew then is still there, I'm sure. But but the roads are, and the houses probably still are. Nothing changes in those old historic uh, farmlands. Celeryville, Ohio, was about two miles to the west of us. It was a peat bog, is a peat bog, about 10 feet deep. It was so much peat that it would catch fire and burn. That was a real threat to them. It would burn for years. They had to be very careful not to let one get started. And they raised the most incredible vegetables. We loved being there. I taught horticulture at Pioneer Vocational High School in Shelby. I opened that that program. Gosh, that program's now 50 years old, 52 years old. Oh, my goodness. Frankly, the best job I ever had. I loved teaching those kids. Let's go to Skip in Vega. Skip, this is, uh, let me give the phone number, Skip, before I go to you. Uh, we have two lines open, 888-256-1080. Call right now, 888-256-1080. Skip, this is Neil. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I'm having a iris problem. Okay. I have a, a fair number of irises. Most of them are, they are not crowded except just a few. The few that are crowded seem to be the only ones that will bloom. And I believe they are maybe the Dutch uh, blue bearded iris. Okay. And I'm not getting any luck on any rest of them blooming. So are the others bearded iris also? 
I think most of them are bearded irises. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the most common type that we grow in Texas. Um, all right. Well, you 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 took away my my best ammunition there when you said they're not crowded because that's what most people do. They let them get too crowded. Um, how are the plants? Are they are they growing well and and uh, vigorous? Yes, very healthy, very vigorous. Good. If you can reach your radio and turn it off, that would be really great because I'm getting it back as a feedback. Okay, just a second here. Okay. I have to get up and move here. Okay. That's one of the problems with live radio, folks. We have to have a delay, and that means that you have to have your radio. Yes, okay. I've got it turned off now. Good deal. Thank you for that. Um, So... If they're growing vigorously, then that's the best thing you can do, and they will eventually uh, bloom. When were they last transplanted? Uh, let me see, last spring. That's probably the reason. They just haven't become established enough. Uh, my experience with iris has been that they mine don't bloom very well the year that I transplant them. They will bloom the second year. Um, and, and so... You, you normally want to transplant them in the fall. Uh, as cold as you guys are, uh, it's it's usually a better idea probably to do what you've done, do it in the spring, let them get established. In the second spring and especially third spring, you should have good bloom. Um, what kind of fertilizer do you use on them? Uh, I've just used, uh, you know, flowering fertilizer, you know, that type of fertilizer. You might want to you might want to check with your county extension agent or uh, have a soil test run because a lot of our so what kind of soil do you have them in is it what what we have a clay soil? loam all right if you have a clay, clay loam soil if, if you soil, have clay loam gotcha if you have clay natively then you need to be careful of using too much phosphorus the middle number in in the analysis it accumulates in clay. And you get more and more and more as you go through the years, and it can become overwhelming. It can be almost toxic to the plants. Uh, it ties up minor elements is the problem. And uh, so the soil testing labs very frequently will tell us just use nitrogen. Um, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that because I don't, you know, I don't have the right to say that i don't know what your soil test will show but it don't be surprised yes, I understand if, that. don't be surprised if a soil test comes back and says you have too much phosphorus just use nitrogen i've seen tomato gardens where they say just use nitrogen and it makes you makes you just kind of open your eyes as wide as you can possibly open them what are they talking about and and so that may be the case um other than that i think Skip, probably just waiting it out is going to be your best bet. Don't let them get uh, horribly dry, and please don't bring any more winters like the last two years. We've had enough of that. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, think that I helped them any. Yeah, I don't think that helped them any. Actually, our winter wasn't that bad last year. Is that right? Now then, yeah, uh, with El Nino coming on, they're talking about more snow and stuff. Yeah, well, snow which is, is our good for friend. us. Cause yeah. Yeah, you get moisture and you get insulation with snow. Um, our winter wasn't too bad except for the December freeze. That Christmas freeze just really hurt stuff in in most of the 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 lower <laughs> the lower part of Texas. But just be careful. Yes. And and uh, it never hurts to mulch. It never hurts to yeah. mulch. Yeah, of course we're in zone six up here where we're at. So. I know we were too for a while there for about two days. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I understand. Okay, I think that's. Well, I, I think that. I think that will get you where you need to be. They should do well for you. Okay, Irish I will well. go to one of my independent uh, nurseries uh, in Amarillo. Yes, sir. And uh, see if I can get a good nitrogen-based fertilizer and start doing a little fertilizing like that. Yeah, they will have what you want to do when you're looking for an all-nitrogen fertilizer or high nitrogen is you do not want to get ammonium sulfate, the 2100. Uh, you want something yeah. that has still has slow-release nitrogen in it, and they'll, they'll know what you're talking about, and they'll be able to help you. Okay, well, I will do that, and I appreciate it. Sir. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Have a great one. Bye-bye. All right, Jeannie, you'll be next. Let me tell you first about my book. It is Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. And up in Chapter 1, I explain all about the fertilizers and why it's important to uh, uh, choose carefully because we don't want to uh, get into a situation where we get too much phosphorus. When I was a county extension horticulturist with the, with the extension service back in the 70s, those soil tests were already coming back showing too much phosphorus in, in vegetable gardens and in tomato patches. And people were calling my office and saying, Neil, this is what A&M has said. Don't put any more uh, phosphorus. And I said, what? That can't be. And uh, and I challenged it, and I was wrong. You know that's a long time ago, and so I'm I'm confessing here a little uh, little twelve step work here, uh, <laughs> and uh, saying uh, this is uh, this is uh, I'll make amends to those comments because it is absolutely true, and so we need to stay away from the, uh, uh, and and that's what I explain in chapter one, the basics of gardening in Texas. We need nitrogen. Uh, and not phosphorus in clay soils in many cases. A soil test is the best way to prove that. All right, so that's Chapter 1, the basics of gardening. Chapter 2 is that calendar, that 48-page calendar of when to do every task. Never had it in anything I've written before other than short forms of it in my old wall calendars, uh, my annual Texas gardening calendars. This is huge compared to what I put in those. All right, chapters 3 through 11 cover trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. There I got it in one breath. And a lot of information. More than 25 multi-page charts in the book. 840 of my photographs in the book. And my promise of your satisfaction in the book. Uh, if you're not satisfied, I'll refund every penny you invest in it. Postage, the whole works. Even if I have signed it specifically to you, I'll refund all your money. No problems. Uh, 79,000 copies sold. Not one request for refund. I'll take that chance. I don't think I'm going to be asked to refund. I think you'll like the book. It's a hardback on high-quality paper, not in stores, not on Amazon. It's only $36.95 for a limited time more. The only places you can get it are by calling my office Monday through Friday. We will be open Monday. That phone number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. The other way you can get it is by going to my website, neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right. Thank you, Kelly. And let's go to long-suffering Jeannie in, in Lano. She has been waiting like a trooper. Jeannie, how are you? I'm good. And yourself? Is your phone welded to your ear yet? 
yes, but that's fine. <laughs> I've gotten some things done as well. <laughs> Atta girl. How can I help you? I have a patch of dichondra in my backyard. It's about a 15 by 8 foot patch, mm. and I sprayed it with 9% uh, straight vinegar, and it uh, burned it back, but it came back, and so I just sprayed it with kills all, and uh, that did not kill it. It it's came back green, and I just wondered how I could get rid of it. Dichondra is, um, is susceptible, will be killed by a 2,4-D product. Uh, okay. any, of, any of the 2,4-D products. In fact, you'll notice in the fine print on them, uh, they will say, do not use on dichondra lawns. That is uh-huh. used as a, a turf substitute in California. I don't mm-hmm. know that I've ever seen it uh, mm-hmm. the times that we've been to California, but that's, uh, I'm, I'm told, something that's used. It's a really pretty weed. And I thought, I've, I've had it in my yard. I have one little patch of it now, not, not as magnificent as yours, but... Um, I'm, I'm trying to make you feel better, Jeannie. I have That's a, okay. <laughs> about a two-by-two-foot patch that I discovered the other day. It's not in a part of our yard. It's kind of on the hillside in a, uh, a Well, I have area, a small backyard, and it's right in the middle of it. And, wouldn't uh, you know? But I, I dug it up and put it in my greenhouse. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to try it as a ground cover somewhere. Uh-huh. And within a, two weeks, it developed a leaf spot and died. And I thought, well, that's fitting. As soon as you try to grow it, you can't. You don't uh-huh. want it, and it just thrives. So, but two 4D products, and I think there might be a, a couple of secrets I'd pass on to you. Because its leaves are a little bit funnel-shaped, I would mm-hmm. put a drop of liquid dishwashing detergent with the spray to help, okay. to help it hold on to the leaves. That breaks up the surface tension. Okay, so it's surfactant. Yeah, surfactant, you're exactly right. Uh, okay. And I would use a tank sprayer, a pump sprayer, a one- or two-gallon sprayer. That's what set, I have. Okay, and set it to a, a fairly fine droplet size, not a mist, but the next thing to it. Uh, and then just coat the leaves with it. Now, uh, if you have a St. Augustine lawn, I'd keep it off the St. Augustine as much as you can because 2,4-D mm-hmm. can damage St. Augustine at these temperatures we have now. Mm-hmm. But that will work on dichondra. I've gotten rid of well, it. Well, uh, it came up amid the San Augustine, and after I kill out the dichondra, can I replant my San Augustine then? Yes, and I don't. Yes, yeah. If you have okay. better areas, uh, just I, scrape I hope, all of the dichondra out, the dead dichondra, and then just replant. Yeah, and I doubt if you'll have much scraping to do. It'll, it'll wither. Okay. Up. It may take it a week or two to kill it. Uh, uh-huh. There are there are products that uh, have only 2,4-D in them. Most uh-huh. have two two other active ingredients, and are sold as a combination product called Trimec. Uh, mm-hmm. Trimec is one that you should not saturate the soil with. But if you're using a pump sprayer, that won't be a problem. Okay. Um, but if uh, if for any reason you're concerned. Uh, the uh, the people who make the Fertilome uh, products and High Yield, it's the same company, do uh-huh. have a do have a two four D only uh, okay. uh, product in their line. So you okay uh, same place and also uh, I've heard on the shows uh, cornmeal uh, is that good for your lawn and just spray it with molasses a diluted no. molasses solution. None of that will you find in anything that I recommend. In fact, I have turned down some gigantic contracts right out of my pocket uh, that I would not accept because of those things. I just don't believe in all of that. It's just another another way of doing business, and it's not my way. 
Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, I will try the 2-4-D, and I do appreciate you taking my call. Stay with me long enough to hear one more comment, and that is that I grew up as the son of a research scientist at Texas A&M who did Uh herbicide research for them for 27 years. Okay. I watched him do that research, and I saw all of the studies that he did, and I helped with those studies, and I know that these products used according to label directions are fine, uh-huh. The other things are sold on a hunch and a promise, and they're not verified the way that the the products that I recommended to you, and that's why I turned them down. Okay, uh, well that's good to know. Stuff, it's just it it doesn't work the way they they want you to believe it will. So. Okay, well I do appreciate it. Thank you Thanks so for much. Oh, you bet. Have a great day. Thanks. Okay, for well you okay. have a good weekend. All right. Bye bye. All right, let me tell you right now about my electronic newsletter. It's called eGardens. Let me look at my clock and see how much time I have so I don't mess up. I've, I've been known to mess up. You imagine that? A horticulturist messing up? So eGardens is my electronic newsletter Thursday nights. It's free, always will be. We have about 80,000 subscribers. It comes from my computer to your email. You'll always have a featured plant of the week. You'll always have a featured... Uh, 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 well, the, the other another feature is that I do uh, gardening this weekend and point out the 10 or 15 things most critical to get done that weekend. And then the Q&A section is always uh, a highlight because you get to ask questions, and I'll answer those 10 to 12 questions each week. And if you want to see what eGardens looks like, go to my website. It's neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, and click on the eGardens tab. Same place you go to buy my book, but instead you click on the eGardens tab, and you can see the most recent issue, and you can also sign up right there. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. Why would you want to pay every month for temporary storage? You know how the, the temporary storage facilities are right down the street, and you say, I think I'll go get some storage room. And you pay, and you pay, and you pay. Well, with Mueller's Backyard Buildings, they're easy to assemble, they're affordable, and they are permanent, and they're yours right there in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any a home or landscape. And if your equipment requires more storage space, Mueller's standard series buildings are ready to go to work for you. So no problem there. This is what you need. You need Mueller equipment. You're going to be really happy with Mueller, uh, not equipment, but buildings. And from workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can visit them online at MuellerInc.com. You can get an idea, get a free customized building estimate, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. While you're there, click on the color selector tool. It makes choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. That's Mueller. To find out more about Mueller steel buildings and metal roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. Folks, I have loved uh, having the opportunity to visit today. I hope you have a great week, a good Father's Day tomorrow, and uh, lots of... uh, 
lots of good things with your landscape and garden. A couple of things to remind you, uh, if you have tomatoes and they're not setting fruit, if they're large flower, uh, large fruiting varieties like big boy and beefsteak, they won't set fruit when it gets up into the 90s. You can try thumping the flowers to jostle the pollen loose within the flowers. That might help. It will certainly help with the smaller flowering types, but it uh, get to a high temperature and they will quit setting. That's the reason we don't recommend the large uh, fruiting types of tomatoes. Remember also, be very careful about fertilizing St. Augustine at high temperatures with nitrogen because that's where gray leaf spot can become a problem. We'll have more next week at this same time, and I look forward to having you here. Jared Taylor, thank you for producing a great program. Until next week, happy gardening.